Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of TheLeveragists.com, as well as Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for companies doing good. We have a fantastic show lineup for you guys today. We have my co-founder and all-around partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, joining me. Hello, Jack. Hello. How are you this fine, beautiful day? I'm awesome living up in the clouds with thunderstorms. Nice. But it's the weather maker. You know, Thor and other people like that hang out there, too. So, I mean, you're in good company. Right? That's awesome. (laughs) Why didn't you tell everybody about our fantastic guest? Yes, we have uh, a longtime friend of the show, Brian Basilico, here today uh, with us. And he's going to show us today how to create a solid, simple plan for getting attention and traffic on the web. And if anybody knows how to do that, Brian does. Uh, He's going to break down his plan today. It's simple, elegant, and very powerful for attracting all the clients' attention you need to run a successful business. Brian, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. It's a pleasure to be with you, and, uh, you know, it's nice and sunny here, no clouds, no rain, so I'm in a good mood. <laughs> Where is here? Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Wow, and it's really hard to say something nice about Chicago's weather, so I'm glad you have the opportunity to do so. There's only like three times a year you can say that, right? Yeah, I, I tell my wife we live here for those three great days. You know, <laughs> the rest of the time it's well, gray, rainy, cold, or hot. A, <laughs> right, right. Chicago is an extreme place. It's a fun, fun place to visit, though. I lived there for a little while, and uh, I felt like living there was a little bit more of a challenge than I wanted weather-wise. So, but I love to visit. I love the pizza. Well, all the food. Is it still? Is Chicago still the city of? Of food is it is it a foodie's paradise still? It was back in the nineties. Oh yeah, it's even more so. And uh, as a matter of fact, they just opened up last week the first Nutella restaurant. So imagine that you can really? get Nutella. I'm on trying. I'm trying. I don't understand how that can be a restaurant. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, you know, you get Nutella on just about anything, and they make uh, foods and drinks and all kinds of stuff with it. So it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's still a a toddling town and a foodie's paradise and uh, just some amazing restaurants, incredible pizza, uh, and, and so many cultures. I mean, if you want to eat just about anything from Lithuanian to Czechoslovakian, you can eat it. You know, it's, it's just it's an amazing town. Yeah. I remember the Polish section uh, south near University of Illinois, uh, mm-hmm. I think, it's a long stretch for me to remember, but I remember just, oh, man, euros and all kinds of really good stuff I could pop in uh, during school, before school, and, and get some really, really good food. 
I don't think I ate McDonald's or anything like that the whole time I lived in Chicago. That would be stupid, given that, that would be, so much yeah. really good food there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a good Brian, idea anywhere you live, Ch- but especially. Hmm? Where in the Chicago area are you? I'm originally from Arlington Heights. Well, I'm actually in Aurora, and uh, so oh, it's wow. due west. Yeah, it's due west, so it's I not too exactly far from Arlington Heights. I know exactly where that Heights. is. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll and be up this was actually rated one of the year. best towns. Pardon me, I'm sorry. I'll be up to visit my parents later this year, probably around Labor Day. So we'll have to make sure we get together when I'm up there. Yeah, let's uh, definitely get together and schedule lunch or dinner or something for sure. That'd be awesome. At McDonald's. Okay. No way, Jose. <laughs> Maybe the Nutella restaurant. That I could go for for sure. Yeah, so what's what's your big thing right now? What are you really into? We know you, you do traffic and you you know get attention and all that stuff, but how are you helping people do that these days? And what's your thing that you're really super excited about? Well, the thing I'm super excited about is um, one of the things that I've learned over the course of the years. I mean, I'm on book number four, working on book number five. And uh, the first book was about relationship marketing in a social media world. It kind of just laid out the foundation of how to build relationships. And uh, But the last book that I wrote uh, was called The Bacon System, Sizzling Hot Recipes That Grow Your Business. And the reason I'm so excited about this is because it really helps systematize the the entire process of using online traffic to grow your business. And I basically call it, it's a 12-step program for people that have tried everything and failed. And what I've noticed over the course of the years is people want to learn about, you know, I mean, what's the latest and greatest thing today? It's Facebook ads, right? Everybody wants to do Facebook ads. Um, They can do Facebook ads, but the question is, is where are they driving them? What are they seeing? You know, what's the result? It's, It's all of those kind of things. So really what I did is the whole book is about building a, a system of 12 different pieces that helps people to understand each step in the process to become successful. And this has been uh, a couple of different things. It actually started out uh, as something I started doing for myself and saw lots of success with, um, financially and uh, traffic-wise and um, you know things like helping me grow my podcast and all of those things. And then I started working with one-on-one clients doing it, and we were seeing the same kind of results. I mean, uh, one gentleman that I worked with who does something very kind of innocuous to most of us, but it's barcode testing. And barcode testing is he tests barcodes to make sure they're valid. And uh, he, through using the kind of process that I put together, uh, was literally able to double his business in a year and has since every single year grown it by 50%. And so, you know, but after going through and getting some proof of concept, some social proof, ironing out all of the steps, um, that's how it all came together. So, um, and, uh, well, let me explain the, the, the 12, more, more so than the 12 steps, but the three main pieces to the puzzle. Okay. And the three main pieces are, number one, is having a solid foundation. And a solid foundation in my world for most of my customers is, um, first and foremost, understanding your perfect avatar or avatars. I believe that every business has multiple perfect avatars, and um, depending on the, uh, what you're selling or, or what you're producing or what you're teaching, um, there are different, you know, there's different groups of people 
in different locations. And what you have to understand about them is who are they, where, what are they consuming, where are they hanging out, you know, are they on social media, are they email people? I mean, some of them like to text, some of them like Skype, you know, it's all over the place. But you've got to understand them first because that's really the, the kind of cornerstone of it. And the next thing is what I call the marketing trifecta. And the marketing trifecta is having what I call a killer website. Um, websites have changed over the last handful of years. You've seen things like lead pages and click funnels and all those kind of things. And really what websites are turning into is a series of landing pages that if you can create content to direct people to those landing pages that basically give them the answer to the burning question that they have with a call to action, they will take it. Uh, rather than making them go through your front door and then go figure out which room you're sitting in, which is normally the way people treat a website, get them in the home page and then let them go figure out where they want to go. And uh, in the short attention span theater world, um, that's not working as well as it used to. And then the second piece of that is understanding analytics. Uh, I don't know anybody who would run a business without understanding their numbers so why would you try to do any kind of online marketing without understanding the cause and effects of what you're doing as far as driving traffic to your website? What pages are people getting to? How long are they staying there? How are they getting there? Uh, what is, is your most um, prolific and uh, uh, your most actionable and, and best to drive people to those specific pages? And really understanding how to understand the analytic side of things. And then the third piece of it is content marketing, is having a content marketing strategy that drives people back to your website and driving people back to your website, then you analytics so all three of those things work in concert. So that's what I call the home base. The second piece of that puzzle then is the next thing is the content creation phase. What are we going to create? What are we going to put out there? Why do we want to do it? Are people going to consume it? Um, so I look at things like blogging, which I – I tend to love blogging. I still think it's alive and well and doing great because it's text that gets indexed on your website by Google. And if you uh, know how to do it properly, you will get um, a lot more traffic by people just searching out you know, the title and the content of the blogs that you're putting out there. Plus, inside of there, you can have those calls to action. Uh, next would be doing audio and video. Um, podcasting is huge. It's growing like crazy because cars now have... Uh, podcast capabilities built into them with Apple Play and Google Play inside of cars. Uh, video, obviously, live streaming, Facebook Live. Um, you know, there are so many different platforms that you can use for live video. Obviously, you know, you've got YouTube and Vimeo and, and other things where um, you can get your messages out that way. That can also be something that draws traffic back to your website. And then looking at creating things like um, lead magnets, you know, creating something that's going to get people on your list and, and grow that. The next piece of the puzzle then is the content distribution. Now we've got the content. It's based on our website. It's part of our content marketing system, which we can drive people to our website, analyze it using analytics. And now we have to figure out how to get people to actually take action on it. And so I cover email marketing which is a lot of people think that email marketing is dying, but really I don't think it's ever going to go away, uh, at least not in the short term because, and, and I talk about millennials all the time. Millennials hate email. They want to text. 
But the problem is, is if they're working for a company, uh, there is no way to basically use any kind of um, uh, system to trace messages with text. It's text and then it goes away. With email, you have a paper trail or electronic paper trail. And so those things are still you know, there. And again, there's lots of ways to use email marketing to distribute the content that you're creating to the right audience. Uh, and then, of course, social media, which I've always been big into, but I've really kind of re rethought the way that I use social media. It's really now more about a relationship-building tool, and then it's about a content delivery platform, and then thirdly, taking it into the phase of getting people to maybe see some ads, people that may not know you. It's the you know the hot, warm, and cold leads. If you can get people to respond to social media. And again, this goes back to what I said originally with the avatar. Some people are going to be on LinkedIn. Some people are going to be on Twitter. Some people are going to be on Instagram, Facebook. You know, you have to understand where those audiences are and where they want you to be in order to interact with you. And um, then from there, it's about basically taking all of this content and repurposing it in a way so you can turn, for example, um, your blogs into books, which I've done. That's a lot of how I've written my books. You can turn podcasts and videos into courses. Um, you can create additional things that you can either use as freemiums to give away or to sell. And so it's doing content with a purpose. And as people have gone through this system, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen light bulbs go over people's heads saying, wow, this all makes sense. And uh, they're able to implement it relatively easily. You know, I might be feeling a little bit uh, overly romanticizing the old days, and I hate mm -hmm. to be the guy that says, get off my lawn and all that kind of yep. stuff. And, <laughs> uh, but I, there is a delicious amount of complication in getting traffic these days in just that you can talk about um, a million different ways to do it. Like, Mm -hmm. You sure. just went over three things out of your 12, three main things out of your 12. I mean, it's got to be great for us consultants, right? Because it's just mm -hmm. gotten – it's just so much more complicated. It's not like anything's hard. It's just that there are a lot more opportunities that there weren't before. And while we might have had our own complaints about back in the day, you either went to the Warrior Forum <laughs> – or you right. went to the Warrior Forum, <laughs> and that was it. Right, you didn't exactly. Get, and search. I mean, you got search traffic, and you went to forums, and you went to uh, a couple of other places. And since we didn't have any choice, we thought we were in a really bad situation, and we couldn't wait until something new opened up, and then social media opened up, and we're like, wow, this is really, really great. But now there's more than one place, and that's cool. We got more choices. And fast forward to today, we've got so many damn choices of ways to get traffic and places to get attention and get in front of crowds that are hanging out. How in the world do you simplify, as a consultant, you know, a coach, how do you simplify for your clients this whole outrageous embarrassment of riches, this gaudy display <laughs> of a trillion different ways to get what people want? Because what I see and what I experience, too, is I sort of get like a deer in the headlights. It's like I go limp with all the right. choices now. I'm just like, oh, God, I don't know what to do today. I, I forgot to write down my plan or, <laughs> you know, right. I don't have anything to really guide me today as to what I do first, my blog 
uh, do I want to do an article today? Do I, uh, you know, podcast isn't till tomorrow? It just sometimes gets really confusing. I'm sure you have to deal with that with the people that you work with. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, you're right. There are so many choices. And the, the first thing that I try to do with my clients and then the people that I work with, either they go through a, a group coaching class or one-on-one coaching on this, is we really start to hone in on who their audience is and get to understand them best. And then we can usually figure out where they're hiding, you know. Um, and, and I'll go back to the, the barcode guy in a minute and talk about how we worked him in, and, and how we did what we did. Um, so it's really understanding uh, most people get overwhelmed. They, they go for the, you know, the thing du jour. You know, everybody's talking about uh-huh. you've got to be on live video. You know, you've got to do live video. You've got to do this. Set up a studio. Get lights. Do all, and most people are going... I don't want to be on video. I got a face for radio. You know, it's like, well, that's okay. Then, then do radio. You know, do an audio podcast. Do something like that. Do an interview show. There's tons of different ways to do it. The key thing is, is where's your audience hanging out, and what do they want to consume? And it's really about them. People listen to two different radio stations in the world: WIIAM and WIIFM. WIIAM is where most businesses tend to basically broadcast, and what they're putting out there is what is interesting about me. It's all about me and what we can do and our years of experience and all this other stuff. When people are consuming information, they're listening to WIIFM, what's in it for me. And the first thing I've got to do is get them out of the mindset of talking about themselves and really looking at the end user and saying, okay, what are their core problems? What's keeping them up at night? What are they trying to solve? And then how do you offer a solution to this? And how do you present it in a way that your competition isn't? Um, because, you know, some, not all the competition is going to be as sophisticated as you. So once, once you have that plan in place, then you have to set up the system for yourself. And I'll give you an example of how I do it. Um, I generate uh, content every single week. And the content is on Monday I do a monocast uh, podcast, and that's me talking about a specific subject. This week is managing change. Um, the second thing then is a blog, which literally I get the blog transcribed from the podcast. Same thing. I send it to Rev.com for $9 and basically add a header and a footer to it and a call to action, some graphics, and I plug it up there. Why do I do the exact same thing? Because some people want to read it and some people want to listen to it. i got a lot of fans of the podcast. i got a lot of fans of the blog. But, you know, some people are just not podcast fans. You know, so they'd much rather skim and read it because they think it's faster or they get more info out of it. Plus, I've also learned over the course of the years, there's three different kinds of listeners, uh, or there's three kind of different learners. There's uh, auditory, visual, and tactile. So, you know, auditory listeners, I can listen to an audio book and get a lot out of it. I can read a regular book, and it goes in one eye and out the other. Uh, it just doesn't sink in. That's not mm-hmm. the way I learn. And so there's other people that just love reading, and they get a lot out of reading, and they're the ones that, you know, mark up books and have highlighters everywhere in their house, and, you know, they love that stuff. And the tactile people are, you know, your carpenters, your people who do pottery, auto mechanics. I mean, they, you know, they love getting their hands dirty, so a lot of times you have to do hands-on stuff with them. You know, so the, the question becomes is, you know, can you take your information and get it in the, you know, Get it in the right format for those audiences. So that's the first thing you have to do is understand the audience and then set up the plan. So every Monday I do the podcast. I do the blog on Tuesday. 
Wednesday, and then, I, Wednesday, and then on Thursday, I've got a virtual assistant that basically takes all of that content and puts it into a very short email digest. So that way, I'm taking the content I've already created and putting it in another form that's helping to drive more traffic back because maybe they didn't see it. Maybe they weren't on social media this week, but they're checking their email. So, again, it's being in the place where they want you to be. So that's really, I think it's, it's systematizing what you do and breaking it down and taking away all of the stuff you don't need to do because that's where people get overwhelmed is, oh, i got to try this, i got to try that, I heard this, I went to this webinar, I went to this, uh, you know, whatever, and they're trying all these different things, but they're missing the step-by-step -step system that helps them narrow down what they're doing and basically give them some kind of consistency. And consistency, as you know, in, in any kind of communications is one of the things that keeps people engaged, right? Exactly. Yeah, so you're, you're looking at a buffet, and, and, and when you're at a real buffet, you pick and choose what looks good to you. You don't put the crap that you don't like on your plate and go, right. well, look at all these choices. I've got to try every one of them. And you're you're te you're saying that there's uh, there's a combination of figuring out what you want to do, systematizing it, after you have figured out everything that you need to know about your audience, who you're going after, where they hang out, and what they're up to, and that's kind of the catalyst, isn't it? Without Absolutely. that part, you just are flailing around, and you're putting everything on the buffet on your plate, just stacking it all the way high because you can't possibly know. You have to have some determining factor that helps you to whittle down, I need to be a podcaster because of this, this, and this. And one of those this is, is the audience, and it's the number one this, I think. And then you just right. keep going until you do have a system, and the Internet then starts to line up. It starts to be like in the Matrix. They could read that green text going down the screen. They could make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And we all, watching the movie, thought it just looked like gibberish. And he's seeing a girl in a red dress. You, right. you start to feel that way, right, when you, when you use the system that you just outlined? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's really it. What you're doing is okay. Let's let's use your buffet example again. All right, you go to the buffet and there's all these different things, but you just got back from the doctor and he says you have high cholesterol. So what are you going to do? He's going to give you a list of foods to eat. That you know you're going to have to eat a little bit of salad. You can maybe have some mashed potatoes, but skip the gravy. You certainly got to stay away from you know, high fatty seafoods and, and uh, meat and, you know, maybe look at chicken instead because that's what the doctor says you need to do because that's the pres prescription. Think of this exactly as that. It's a prescription of what you should be doing in order to increase a healthier business. The other problem mm -hmm. that you just talked about, which is like key, absolutely key to all of this stuff is, is measurement. Most people don't look at measurement enough or look at it the right way. I could tell you that um, at a, when I give speeches and talk about Google Analytics, I'll usually get maybe 50% of the people in the room will raise their hands and say they have Google Analytics and know how to access it. And when I ask how many people are checking it weekly, it's 5 or 10%. And the reason that people don't check it is because they don't know what they're looking at. You know, they'll walk in and they'll look at the, mm -hmm. basically the overview page and say, oh, I have more traffic this month than last month. I'm doing better. Or they're saying, oh, I got less traffic than last month. I'm not doing as well. Well, here's the deal. Would you rather have 100,000 people that would never buy anything from you 
show me showing up at your website from India and China, or would you rather have ten people that are going to buy high ticket items that show up every single month? Which one would you prefer? I think the ten. Yeah, you know, so it's it's identifying the the real buyers, the real people that are engaged. That's where it's super super important to be able to do that measurement. So that and that gives you a feedback loop to say. You know, do more of this, do less of that. Um, this is working, this isn't working. A client that I'm working with right now, it's an anti-classic and boat society. And um, we just got them into the whole system. We've, we've gone through the whole system and set it up. And one of the things that they learned was they're going to do an, a weekly email digest of posts because they get a lot of posts, a lot of news, and, you know, this boat, this boat show, all this kind of stuff on their website. Um mm-hmm. When they send out a newsletter on Tuesdays, the traffic to their website doubles and triples from its average level. So they've got a really super engaged audience. I was I was blown away. Their open rate was like 65% on their email. It was just off the Wow, chart. nice. That's engaging. Yeah, so, yeah, and it's exactly what I talked about. It's knowing the audience. They're older people because most people that, you know, these antique boats are usually things like Chris Craig. Objects where they're re- refurbishing them. So they tend to be retired. They're not going to be on social media. They like email. And so, you know, we defined where their audience was. We put the content on the website because all those pieces are there. And all we did was say, hey, check out this boat, click here, and what does it do? It drives them back to the website. So they saw in the last just two weeks, because they just started this two weeks ago. Um, they were blown away by the amount of extra traffic that they were getting to their website. So it's really understanding that pinpoint but measuring what's happening. It's crazy how stuff like that can be happening, and people can can tell you, we feel pretty successful. We'd like to do better, but we feel really good about where we are. And you look at their stuff, and you're like, well, you really are doing – do you even know why? And then you tell right. them, <laughs> it's like, wow, that's amazing. And it's like, wait a minute – how can you be where you are without knowing why you are where you are? And I see that all the time. It's just oh, people yeah. just doing their natural instinctual gut feeling, and they're just chasing after their thing that they love, and they're doing it, and they don't understand. Yeah. I remember interviewing um, the uh, girl from Deuce.com when it was getting like two or 3,000 comments. I mean, she had one post that had 3,000 comments on it. And she regularly got over 1,000 comments on her blog, on her posts. And she was one of the first really big mommy bloggers. Back in 2008, 9, 10, somewhere around there, she Mm -hmm. ended up getting an HGTV show and book deals and all that kind of stuff. So I interviewed her on on what was then website chats. And I'm coming completely from an SEO and marketing and traffic perspective, and I'm asking her, so your page rank is six. Now – and then she goes, what's PageRank? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's making massive amounts of money, huge connections, all on advertising, just on sheer volume of people hitting her site. And that was the only way she knew to monetize at the time. I said, I said PageRank, and she's like, what's that? And then I, and I'm like, holy crap. So that, that part of my conversation was over. I had an hour-long show, and we didn't even get to talk about one of the sections I wanted to spend some time on. <laughs> then I asked her, why doesn't she have her opt-in um, uh, at the you know top right corner, which was the going place for it after heat maps and everything else. That's where everybody mm-hmm. looked for it. And, uh, and, and it was really hard to find. She's like, I don't know. I just 
Yeah, she was just really casual about it. All she thought about was content all the time. And right. she just got massive amounts of traffic for it. Her search engine optimization was horrendous on paper, except that she was really well ranked <laughs> and got right. tons of search traffic. And I just love stories like that because when you talk to people like that and you can help them at that point enhance what they're doing by understanding more about what's actually happening, they have a lot of leverage in the fact that they've just got raw power. of, of right. And it's usually because of their passion, almost completely right. solely because I'm going to do this. I don't know anything about this Internet stuff. I'm going to start a blog, learn about that. And they just keep learning enough to get their passion out there in front of enough people and then, mm-hmm. what, man, it's really fun to find people like that. Yeah, no, and, and uh, you're perfectly spot on in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, my perfect avatar is a half million to five million dollar company where the owner needs, he knows that he needs to do something on social media, but he's not willing to invest the time in learning it. He doesn't want to do it himself, but he also doesn't want to hire an agency because he's been screwed numerous times. No, Yelp has walked mm-hmm. in the door, promised to double traffic. They spend six hundred dollars, uh, nothing. Um, I have another guy who was a lawyer who went with Yax, spent three thousand dollars a month. The increase in traffic to their website was nothing. Um, you know, so the guy spent nine thousand dollars for nothing. So what? What he realizes that I don't want to pay an agency to do it because I've been taken advantage of too many times. So my twenty-year-old receptionist, she knows how to tweet, so she's going to be put in charge of social media. And, of course, she's going on there trying to write blogs and post things and going, LOL, WTF, you know. Um, And the audience is 50-year-old men who are just going, what is this, (laughs) you know. Um, So that my perfect audience is where the owner knows he needs to do something, and then they need somebody to come in and basically set up the system, train their person to do it. And uh, one of the nice things about that for me is usually those people last – um, a year, and then they get somebody new, and I get to train them all over again. Uh, so, but the you know when the owner, yeah. when you can sit and show, it's okay. Look what we talked about. Um, he was getting 600 visits to his website every single month, um, and we created a second website on family law. So we had you know just kind of the general practice one. We did one very specific on family law, uh, divorce, you know, child custody, all those kind of things. Not something that's fun. But, you know, it's a necessary evil. And so he set up that site and started blogging about the latest and greatest laws in Illinois on family law. The amount of traffic the guy got went from 600 to 6,000 people a month. And it got to the point where he could not um, keep up with all the work. I mean, it was just, it was too much. Either he had to start hiring more lawyers or turning people away because it was just overwhelming their system. One of the other problems that we see a lot of is, you know, the receptionist is in charge of determining where the lead came from. And you got to get them out of the mindset of just saying, uh, where did you find us? Oh, on the Internet. Okay, and then they mark down the Internet. Okay, where on the Internet? <laughs> it's, you know, was it Google? Did you go to our website? Was it an email? Um, you know, is there anything more specific you can give us so I can write it down? You know, it's getting them to ask the right questions so then they can turn around and start to measure, you know, which one of those things are working to actually get the phone to ring. It's one thing to get the traffic to the website. It's another thing to measure the phone ring and then converting that into clients and dollars. You know, so it's, it's really kind of yeah. looking at the, the, again, it's part of that system. 
where there's usually that's where it's mostly broken is people don't measure beyond that one last thing. You know, they just stop at the internet, and that's not going to give them the answers that they want. Which is kind of weird, but you know, I've seen it too, so I know that that exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, well, and it's just, just a bunch of busy people. I mean, we're always dealing. If you're going to find somebody that's a, if your avatar is successful uh, enough to you know pay you to do what you do, they're also going to be 100% across the board extraordinarily busy people. And right. Uh, one of the things that I always have a little bit of a hard time with is getting someone like that to slow down enough to do something in their best interest because sometimes they'll be busy with you on the phone. It almost sounds like they're, they hired you or they're thinking about hiring you, and they almost feel like they're trying to get you off the phone too, like you're also a distraction, except you're there to help them become less busy people and a lot more focused. How do you deal right. with that when you're running into people that are just like just they think they're really laser focused and they think they're headed toward, you know, but when you talk to them, they sound really haphazard. How do you deal with that, calming people down? Well, the way that I calm them down is I just talk with them on a one, you know, I'd be honest with them first and foremost and just say, look, you know, you're, you're really excited about this stuff, but you're not executing. I can't tell you, you know, that I can, I could teach everybody this system. And I can give them everything laid out. I, I record them. They get one-on-one coaching sessions. They get homework. They get all this stuff to do. It's not a lot of work. I mean, the, the, they're short little half-hour sessions. But what happens is they do get too busy. So, you know, the thing I have to say is that, hey, if you don't got time to want to learn this stuff, then I bring in the troops. Then I'll bring in people to do it for them, which, of course, raises the price. Um, but that's the cost of admission you know it's like if i'm going to bring in content developers and and social media people which i've got an arsenal of you know different people that fill in certain gaps i mean designers web developers i mean you know i do a lot of this stuff myself i teach them how to do it but you know i can't handle the bandwidth of all the different clients that i have so i bring in the right people and usually that lasts for a while and they stick with it and then you know eventually you know, so some salesman comes knocking on the door and they say, I found a better solution, even though they don't have any clue as to what the solution is and go a different direction. That's just the nature of the business. Um, you know, they, and, you know, I've had clients stick with me for five, six years and been very, very happy. Um, others will last a year, maybe six months, and, you know, they're they're impatient. That's the other thing, too, about all of this stuff is it takes time. I try to be very, very upfront with clients and say, look, when you start this, it's going to take three months before you start seeing results. It, when we start it, it's going to take three months. And you've got to yeah. at least give it that much time. If you're not seeing results in three months, then either we've got to change the game plan or something's wrong. Um, but generally speaking, and, and so they have to not only have the, um, they have to have the burning desire, but they also have to have patience in the concept, you know, because everybody's looking for that magic bullet quick fix Why everybody's jumping on Facebook ads right now. Oh, just go in and put in retargeting pixels and do Facebook ads, and you can drive people back to your page, which nobody sees. Facebook only allows you to pay for advertising, so you got to advertise to get it out there. And then they don't have a plan on how to get people back to their website to take action, and it, you know, it's just a, it's just a giant time and money suck. So, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying Facebook ads are bad. They're great. They're perfect for a lot of people, but there's got to be a plan set up behind it. You know, usually what they're doing is they're they're doing steps A, B, but they're missing C, D, and E, you know, and that C, D, and E is where the magic happens. So yeah. it, it's just a matter of, 
you know, for, for, you got to find the right client who's willing to invest the time, who's honest with themselves, and says, okay, this is what I want to do, and if I can't accomplish it myself, I'm willing to either pay for it or, you know, it just falls apart. It's, it's a, I always say that um, marketing is a participation sport. There is no way that you as an owner can just hand this off to somebody. I mean, you can if you've got an unlimited budget and you can hire an agency to come in and do everything for you. Um, but somehow or, number, somehow or sometimes somebody's going to have to stick a USB in the back of their brain to figure out what they're thinking and what direction they're going, you know, because they're not communicating the changes. I had one client who um, was a fire sprinkler company, and they decided to rebrand themselves as a fire alarm company because they made more money on fire alarms. And, but they could never pull the trigger on actually getting it done. Um, you know, they just couldn't get their arms around the fact that, the, you know, this rebranding is going to take some time. It's going to take creating a separate website. It's new messaging. It's new, um, you know, focusing on a slightly different audience. Uh, you know, instead of having people that are building warehouses, this would be people that are running, you know, apartment complexes, office buildings. You know, it's just a different audience. Um, mm -hmm. For the most part, you know, so, but, and that's where we sit down and say, you know, here's where your audience is. This is who your audience is. This is where they're hanging out, and this is how we reach them, and these are the messages. But, you know, sometimes it just does not click, you know. You, just, you know, there's yeah. not much you can do at that point. But the ones where it does click are the ones that are just forever thankful. And, and going back to that, um, let me tell you the story of that one guy, the barcode dude. Um, so... His, uh, he was, you know, he's doing barcode verification and testing, and he's out there, he's trying different things, but he wasn't doing any blogging, wasn't doing, you know, he was giving speeches, he was going to conferences and all those kind of things, but he wasn't seeing any uptick in his business that was flat. So what we decided to do is I taught him how to blog uh, the right way, you know, had not just go in and write, you know, gibberish, not write too little, not too much, um, and then when I taught him how to blog, we defined four audiences for him. We called them 101, 201, 301, and 401. 101, I have no idea what a barcode is. I don't know why I have to verify it. I need the basics. 201, I know what a barcode is. I need to understand the verification process better, what tools are available, how to use them more efficiently, whatever. 301, we sell to Walmart. If the barcodes on the boxes or the products are bad, they're going to ship them back to us and we're going to go bankrupt. And 401, was pharmaceutical companies, if barcodes are bad, people die. And so he started writing four articles a month, one to each one of those audiences. So he wrote a 101, 201, 301, and 401, and he did it for three months. Eventually, at six months, we figured out that the two audiences that were getting the biggest responses were the 101s and the 401s. And the 201s and 301s were kind of like, eh. You know, it, it was, they were, he was getting responses on it, but he wasn't getting the level of responses. Well, 101s have no money. 401s have lots and lots and lots of money. And what he ended up seeing was is the 401 started hiring him for these larger scale long-term products, and that's how he was able to double his business. So then we started focusing, obviously, a lot more attention on the 401s. And that continues today to the point where, um, you know, he could barely keep up with his own business. Wow. That's really cool. I like how the, the audiences were divvied up and a test was run and that you got the client to understand this is a test. We're going to find some things out, but in order to do that, you're going to have to put out some content for each one of them. 
you're going to have to put some hooks in the in the water with different kinds of bait for different kinds of fish, and mm-hmm. we're going to have to see. And to get somebody to slow down enough in their business, even though it's obviously in his best interest to do so, mm-hmm. uh, is not an easy thing to do. So you're anybody who's really good at that, like you, it deserves a, a pat on the back <laughs> because Thank you. I think a lot of people in consulting get lost in those kinds of things. Like you also have to be kind of a little bit Tony Robbins and you got to be a little bit Oprah and you got to be able to get people to do things in their own best interest, despite how ironic it is that they even need that. But once right. you do, you can start to really see some great results. I want to switch it up a little bit here and ask you something about uh, – not the typical question, what would you do if you were starting all over? I'm so tired of that thing. I've been asking mm-hmm. that since 2000. <laughs> but, right. but when somebody is looking at more of a, maybe not a dead start, but they're pretty much newer. They're not 401s in that example. They, or maybe somebody is switching things up exactly like the fire company because they just switched a different kind of product. I mean, that was significant, but they stayed right. kind of in their wheelhouse. What if somebody is switching from, um, you know, what they're really, really good at, whatever that might be, to something that's totally different with different audiences and everything else, like yoga or self-help or, um, you know, just something radically different than what they're doing. So essentially then they're starting over. They don't have any content right now to support it. They don't have right. a plan. And they're looking around, and this is really the crux of the question. When you look around the Internet today, anything that's worth monetizing has got a bench that's a billion deep of people who are in that market. Now, most of those people suck at what they do. This is great. Right. And you only ever really are actually interested in the people who are getting into the top ten in Google or whatever the equivalent of that is, which means – you know, you, you have figured something out and you're actually competitive in that market. When somebody looks at something like that today, the way the Internet is, given everything we've talked about so far, Facebook advertising, all the different plethora of other kinds of traffic that you can get, mm-hmm. the game plan that you need, everything else, why does our little avatar that I've created very, very roughly here, why should they feel hope in what they're about to do or what they really want to do when they see all these other yoga masters who are actually got help from somebody like you and they're really killing it out there. What makes this little yoga person get up in the morning with a fire in their belly uh, to attack this with, with what they feel is a lot of competition and they're just behind from people who have been doing it for years and years and have that great big, you know, attention and, and audience and everything else. What do you tell people like that? Well, what I tell everybody is, and, and I run into this all the time, they have a fear because who wants to talk to me? I don't have the experience. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the, all this stuff written down. Um, and I had the exact same thing happen with a woman who was starting a brand-new life as a uh, – basically she was a teenager whisperer for parents with teenagers that are out of control. And she was just, like, all over the place. She couldn't figure out what she wanted to do. She knew that there was competition out there. She said, you know, how do I differentiate myself? And here's what I always tell people. Number one, figure out what your superpower is. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Really straightforward. I know my strength. My superpower is teaching. That's what I do best. Uh, Also, another superpower is speaking or basically taking information and coordinating it in a way, number one, that sequentially makes sense, and number two, 
speaks to a broad enough range of audience I'm not talking over people's heads, even the most basic people, but I still have something to offer, you know, the experts in the audience. So the thing is, is figure out what your superpower is, and then the next piece of the puzzle is, you know, do what you do best and then hire to your weaknesses. Figure out where you're going to need help. And don't spend so much time doing that. Now, the next thing that you've really got to think about is um, what is different about what you provide than the other yoga studio? Um, is there something slightly different? I mean, there's hot yoga, there's Berkham yoga, there's all these different kinds of things. Um, maybe you do come up with something a little bit unique. Uh, in our town, we have something, I don't know if you've ever heard of a salt cave or not. Um, but a salt cave is yeah. basically, it's a, it's a therapeutic cave. Uh, there's a woman who's a yoga instructor who basically rents out the salt cave uh, four times a week and does yoga in the salt cave. Um, you know, that's something different. It's something unique. It's something that other people aren't doing. And you know what? If that takes off and it grows beyond the capabilities that they have, then what's she going to do? She'll probably invest in creating her own salt cave yoga business, right? Is you got to try things. And um, I'm... I'm a huge firm believer in trial and error and reinvention, ready, fire, aim. You know, it's ready, you know, not ready, aim, fire. You, you do something, you execute it, you measure it, and then figure out, okay, this is working, this isn't working. Why, am, why is this person um, responding so well to this? Why other people? Um, you know, you've got to talk to people. You've got to be a human being and not take things personally. When somebody is super, super happy with what you have, ask them the question. What is the one thing that I'm doing that's making you feel the way that you feel? Or if somebody leaves your business, try to get them to, you know, be honest with them. Say, hey, look, you know, I really appreciate everything you've done, um, and I appreciate you giving this a try. You could really help me if you would let me know what about this was not for you or what didn't work um, so I can try to improve my services in the future. I think that is still a lost art. I think people just say, okay, I've lost a customer. Let me oh, find yeah. a new one, you know. And yeah. um, and it's that's the whole part of relationship marketing is being human. You know, when you're online, um, be yourself. You know, don't try to be your brand. Be yourself and ask questions and, and you know, have one-on-one -on -one conversations and chats with people. Um, you know, use, if you, or get on the phone with them, whatever they want to do. You know, have a text chat with somebody. But the key thing is, is you have you have an opportunity to do something unique enough that you can attract a different audience because I'm in the web development business. I've been in the web development business forever, um, you know, and, and that's not the core of what I do because the web development is like a mini piece that's built there to to support the coaching and the, all the other things that they teach. But, I mean, there's a, there's a gazillion web developers out there. Matter of fact, you can go to India mm -hmm. and, you know, all these other places and get it done for $10. Um, you know, the key thing that you've got to be able to do is, is you know, differentiate the value proposition is like, you know, I, I'm not building you a website. I'm building, building you an ecosystem. Websites are easy. You yeah. want a free website, go to Wix. You won't get any traffic from it. You won't like the results, but you can get it free at Wix. Now, if you want an ecosystem that's actually going to give you a return on investment, let me show you how it works. And that education thing makes all the difference. So that's, that's what I think it is. I think it's just being human, thinking differently, trying things, do more of what works, do less of what doesn't work, and, and just keep at it. You know, and eventually, I mean, oh, God, who was it? Walt Disney, he failed. He went bankrupt twice um, before, you know, he finally came into the whole Walt Disney franchise. 
Um, so, you know, a lot of businesses are going to fail. A lot of businesses are not going to make it, you know, but nothing says that you can't pick up your bootstrap and say, okay, I learned a lot here. Let's go try something else. Yeah. I think because we have such an audience that is really in the expert world, I mean, we have some people who are into e-commerce and, you know, uh, the far less personal things, at least the way that they see it. And what struck me with what you just said, what you just talked about, you, you're, there's a layer of you that you consider and have always been into web development. There's a mm-hmm. layer of that. But nobody actually can even come in contact with that layer until they have first come in contact with Brian, the communicator, Brian, the educator, the guy right. who said some really interesting things about stuff that I am really desperate to figure out for my own business. Let me see what he's got going on. And nowhere in all of that, in your podcast, in any of your stuff, have I ever seen you lead with the technical crap. I'm a web developer, or uh, I, I can hook you up with copywriters, or I can do all of that. It's never, ever in the forefront. And I know this doesn't match up with every single business model out there, but I've seen mm-hmm. the trend become the people who differentiate themselves do so on a level of communication and education and providing uh, tons of value through podcasts and videos and blogging and things like that. And, and then the underlying thing is that you are a yoga instructor that does it in a salt cave. But right. you've got you to gotta have something on top of that. Is that a fairly accurate depiction? That's 100% accurate, and I don't care if you're technical or not. You're still in the relationship and customer service business. I don't care what business you're in. You're in the relationship and customer service business. And so all of that stuff matters a lot. It's creating that value proposition that gets people to have that aha moment that says, I want that. You know, the Sally, uh, I'm trying to remember her name, but uh, from when Harry met Sally, in the restaurant scene, I'll have what she's having. Um, You know, it's, it's... Something along that line that people see something different in you. And, and again, you know, one of my biggest concerns with most of my clients is I want to be, be somebody that generates income for them. That is the main, most important thing I do. And when I actually spent months working on this tagline, uh, and the tagline is I help, um, I help small to medium-sized businesses find their ideal customers online to generate more profits. It's exactly what I do. So your tagline wasn't, I do the best logos and and WordPress design um, in the world? No. (laughs) That's W-I-I-A-M. I I don't speak to that radio station anymore. Uh, It's too low quality for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, let everybody know before we start to wrap up here, uh, let everybody know where they can get into your sphere of influence. If there's anybody left on the planet that you have not reached already, this is your chance to reach Brian and find out more about him, follow him around, learn from him. Where mm-hmm. does everybody need to go? Well, the easiest thing to do is go to Google and Google Brian Basilico, B-R-I-A-N-B-A-S-I-L-I-C-O. From there, you will find everything. You'll find my Facebook, my LinkedIn, my Twitter, my Pinterest, my Instagram. Uh, you'll find Bacon Podcast, which is my co- podcast, my blogs, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And feel free to jump on board and, you know, continue to learn a little bit more. Jump on some of the podcasts. The podcast has been growing like crazy um, because they're very short. 
Uh, one of my friends who I just turned on to the podcast, she says, oh, my God, I mowed the lawn listen to four. Uh, so, you know, and it's all little tips. It's all just little nuggets of information. So um, that's where I think the best place to do it. And feel free to connect up with me on any social media. I'd be happy to take, um, you know, get to know you and then build a relationship. That's what I do. And just a little bit of a warning for people, especially vegetarians. There's an awful lot of discussion <laughs> about bacon in Brian's world, just so yep. you know. but. Uh, I think that um, once people get into your world, they understand that while you love bacon, they can also find a home with you, even if they yeah, don't. Yeah, well, the whole the, here's the thing about the <laughs> bacon that everybody that anyway. has done. But people have to understand that bacon is a brand. It's not that I eat a lot of right. bacon, that I sell bacon for things. And what bacon stands for <laughs> is Building Authentic Connections Online Networking. It's an acronym that is what I do. Right. I didn't want to oversimplify it that much. Uh, so gl glad that you provided the actual explanation for bacon because that really does yeah. have a lot of meaning and a lot, a lot of uh, history as well now, which is really yeah. sad. I've always wondered what like it meant. Say what? He likes bacon. That's what it I've meant. I've always wondered <laughs> what it meant. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, any uh, we got to – few seconds, few moments left. What's, uh, what's your biggest piece of advice? From everything that you – we kind of developed an avatar of the type of people who listen to Leverage Masters. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, anything like that, what, what would be your biggest piece of advice today given what we've talked about? Well, my biggest piece of advice today is continue to listen to shows like Leverage Masters. Continue to learn from people you know, like you guys, like Jack and Gina. Listen to somebody like me. Find some people – who are out there doing it and follow them and continue to learn and grow because when you stop learning you stop earning so invest in yourself and sometimes it takes a financial investment sometimes you have to go in and actually pay you know for coaching or pay for courses and things like that um, but find people that you feel akin to that you know like and trust and invest some time or invest some money and keep growing yourself because this is uh, it's a never-ending game of change and that's my suggestion to everybody. Awesome. Well, Gina, I'm going to turn him back over to you after I say thank you so much for making the time to come on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Brian, about all of the things that you know. I wish it was a five-hour show because we could totally yeah. fill up that time with everything that's in your brain. But we're picking away at you an hour at a time. Every time we have you on, we get a little bit more of your brain out and into the mm -hmm. public. So that's awesome. So thank you very much. Oh, no, thanks for having me on. I it was just a pleasure talking with you again, Jack. I wanted to make sure Jack remembered that you were on the show before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just How can I forget sure. that? I don't know. It's that bacon branding. I never sure. forgot it. <laughs> when Carrie wants to put up the show notes, <clears throat> she's like, I don't have a bio for Brian. I'm like, well, that's easy. Just go into the show notes and get... Brian Basilico's last one. She's like, how do you even know where to find it? I'm like, well, I think it was between this day and this day. And sure enough, it was right in there. Easy to find. There you go. More importantly, when you Google Brian Basilico, 
<laughs> well, more importantly, if you Google Brian Basilico, it actually comes up on the first page of results under your name, Brian. I was very pleased to see that. Thank you. That's that's what content marketing does. Is it's uh, and I've never spent a penny on any kind of advertising on Google or anything to get there. So awesome. Well, I will make sure that I hook up with you when I come up to Chicago later this year. Definitely. I'll take you out for some Nutella. We'll have a great time. Or Nutella, depending on how Fantastic. <laughs> and we will be back next week, same time, same place. Thank you so much, Brian. It was a pleasure, as always. Have a great week, everybody. Ditto. Thanks, guys. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.